the show called Let's Talk Homeschool. I'm Davis, and this is the show where we talk about everything homeschooling, the how, what, when, where, and why. We want to affirm, encourage, challenge, and inspire you in this adventure of a lifetime, and we want to celebrate everything you get to experience along the way. This podcast is sponsored by Apologia Educational Ministries. Go to Apologia.com, a great place to explore creation. Today's show is titled, The Ceremony. So, Apology publishes a worldview curriculum that was endorsed by the late Chuck Colson. It, there's four volumes in the series, the second of which is titled, Who Am I? This is the eighth and final part in the series. The Ceremony Gwen. Brandon rapped lightly on Gwyneth's store once more, hoping not to wake the other ladies in waiting. The hour was midnight, and everyone had retired early, in preparation for William's nighting ceremony in the morning. Brandon whispered again, Gwen! A light suddenly appeared in the hall behind Brandon. Brandon, what are you doing here? Gwyneth asked, holding a candle and coming up behind him in her nightgown. Oh, Gwen, there you are. Something terrible has happened. "'William's sword. It's gone.' "'Gone? But William never lets that sword out of his sight. Where is he? "'He's praying all night in the chapel and cannot be disturbed. "'He entrusted the sword to my keeping, but it's disappeared. "'The ceremony is only hours away. What am I going to do?' "'Well, first you need to calm down and catch your breath,' Gwyneth said. "'When did you last see the sword?' Brandon replied." I was polishing the sword when Quentin came to my room and sent me to fetch water. When I returned, the sheath was still there, but the sword was gone. Where could it be? Quentin! I was running an errand for Isabel in the kitchen when I saw him out the window. He was carrying something under his cloak and headed into the forest. But why would Quentin take Will's sword? How will it look if William shows up for the ceremony without his sword? What do you think the baron will say, then, about Will's choice of you for his squire? What do you think the king will say? I'm not worried about me, but I'm not going to let Will down. We've got to find Quentin. Will you help me? Of course. Let me get my cloak. Because the young friends did not wish to be seen leaving the castle, they did not carry a torch. The full moon was high, and they relied on its light to guide them to where Gwyneth had seen Quentin entering the forest. Somewhere deep in the darkness, a wolf howled. Gwyneth shivered, and Brandon put a reassuring hand on her shoulder. Don't worry, Gwyn. We'll be all right. Gwyneth decided to change the subject. So why is William praying all night? She asked in a hushed voice as they made their way tentatively through the woods. He called it a vigil. It's part of the nighting ceremony. First, Will fasted all day. Then he took a special bath. He said it's a symbol of being cleansed by Christ and given a pure heart, but I think he just wanted to smell good for the king. Gwyneth stifled a giggle. Brandon said, Then I helped him dress in a white cloak, a red robe, and black shoes. Now he's alone in the chapel, Will he'll pray silently for ten hours before morning mass. Then comes the ceremony, where the king is tonight, Will, and formally present him with his sword. We've just got to find it, Gwyn. Brandon, we need to follow Will's example. Let's stop and pray right now and ask God to help us find the sword. 
The Bible says that when two or three are gathered in Christ's name, He will be there with us. I don't know why I didn't think of that before. Brandon fell to his knees, and Gwyneth knelt beside him. Brandon prayed, Lord, thank you for my friends, Will and Gwyn, who are teaching me so much about you and your word. And thank you for being my father, because I have no father. I'm in trouble, God, and I really need you. Please help me to find Will's sword and have it ready in time for the ceremony. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Gwyneth said, Amen. Brandon looked up then and spotted a glint of something in the moonlight fifty yards away. He and Gwyneth got to their feet and began to run toward the shiny object, but twenty yards away they stopped suddenly. There it was, William's sword leaning against a tree in the clearing. Fifteen feet overhead was Quentin, clinging to a tree limb and whimpering. At the foot of the tree was a large, gaunt gray wolf pacing back and forth. Having treed its quarry, it seemed to be biding its time, waiting for the branch to give out or for Quentin to attempt an escape. Brandon and Gwyneth crouched behind a tree, and Gwyneth whispered, If I fetch Will's longbow, could you fell the wolf from here? Maybe, Brandon said, but if I manage to only wound it with the first shot, the wolf will become even more dangerous. He thought for a moment. I've got an idea. Run back to the castle. Grab some pots and pans and spoons and any kitchen staff you can find and bring them here. I'll keep watch. I'll hurry. Gwyneth hiked up her nightgown and ran as quickly as she could. She returned fifteen minutes later with a scullery maid and two eight-year-old pages who had been sleeping by the kitchen fireplace. All of them carried pots and spoons, including one of each for Brandon. It's not much of an army, Brandon thought, but it will have to do. He said, I want everyone to spread out in a semicircle south of the clearing. Remain silent and stay out of sight. When I shout... Everyone jump out and yell as loud as you can and bang the pots with your spoons. No one said a word, but merely nodded, their eyes wide in the moonlight. Brandon smiled and placed a reassuring hand on the shoulder of one of the small boys. Gwyneth motioned for the boys and the maid to follow her, and she stationed each one behind a tree not far from the clearing. The wolf growled menacingly as though it sensed their presence. Once everyone was in position, Brandon said a silent prayer. Then he leaped from his hiding place and shouted, A sword for the Lord and for the King! At this, Brandon and his four recruits began yelling and banging on the pots and pans with all their might. At first, the wolf turned in quick circles, clearly confused by the commotion. Then it yelped, turned tail, and ran off in the opposite direction. The yelling turned to cheering as the small band emerged from their hiding places. Quentin dropped out of the tree and picked up William's sword. Then he knelt before Brandon and with both hands offered him the sword. I'm ashamed of the way I've acted. I was angry and jealous and I wanted you to fail. My behavior was not worthy of the nights we serve. Can you ever forgive me? Of course, varlet, Brandon said, pretending to be haughty. But he was unable to keep a straight face and broke into a huge grin. Quentin and the others laughed heartily. As they began walking back to the castle, Quentin slapped Brandon on the back and said, That was brilliant how you chased away the wolf. What made you think of it? Well, I remembered the story of Gideon in the Bible. One day when he was working, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Gideon didn't feel much like a warrior, but he trusted God. 
I know that story, Quentin said. God sent Gideon and a few hundred men against an entire army in the dead of night, armed with nothing more than torches, water pitchers, and trumpets. Gwyneth said, Yes, and on Gideon's signal, the men broke the pitchers, shouted, and blew their trumpets. The enemy was so terrified, many of them killed one another, and the rest fled. But how did you know the wolf would run away? You taught me that the Lord is always with me, Gwen. Besides, wolves are tough when they hunt in packs, but this one is a rogue, come down from the north. A lone wolf will usually run when it's outnumbered. I was just hoping to fool it into thinking there were more of us than there really were. Quinton said, Brandon, I was wrong about you. You're going to make a great night, and I will be proud to fight at your side one day. I don't know how I can ever thank you. Right now, I need to get the sword cleaned and ready for William's ceremony. Will you help me? I would be honored, Squire Brandon. Great excitement filled the air as the lords and ladies and knights talked among themselves in anticipation of the king's arrival. An empty throne waited upon the dais, surrounded by too many glowing candles to count. The walls of the great hall were specially hung with large banners displaying St. George's Cross, the fleur-de-lis of France, and the colors of the king. Brandon stood nervously along the wall next to Gwyneth and Isabel, who were discussing the finery worn by the ladies of the court. William was near the front of the gathering, talking with his fellow knights. Brandon caught his eye, and William gave him a smile and a quick nod. Suddenly, the assembly was hushed by a fanfare of trumpets. A herald entered from the back of the hall and announced, His Royal Highness, Edward III, by the grace of God, King of England and France, and Lord of Ireland. Every person bowed deeply as the great king entered and led a small procession up the aisle, including the Baron John de Lille, William's patron and lord of the castle, in which they stood. Accompanied by more fanfare, the procession mounted the three steps to the dais, and the king took his seat upon the throne. The trumpets were silenced, and the king spoke. I call to order the Knights of the Garter. Draw near and be heard. The assembly rose as one, and the Baron de Lille stepped forward. He said, Your Majesty, I beg to inform you that our numbers are not complete. There is one who, by his deeds and his demeanor, has the right to a place in our company, a place for which he has shown himself worthy. The king replied, Then let him come forward. The Baron took his place to the right of the king, and William stepped into the aisle and knelt upon the first step. The king leaned forward, and with a glint in his eye, said to William, For what purpose do you desire to enter the most noble order of the garter? If it be for riches, or to take your ease, and be held in honor without bringing honor to your God and country, then you are unworthy of it. William stood and responded, I do not desire earthly riches or honors for myself. I seek only to serve my king, to defend the laws of Almighty God and of this realm and to give all glory to Christ our Lord, who has crowned me with glory and clothed me with his righteousness. Then the king spoke to the assembly. A knight of the realm is charged at all times to protect the weak, defend the defenseless, help the needy, and put right every injustice he sees. He must draw his strength and sustenance from the word of God. A knight must keep a pure heart, a healthy body, and a disciplined mind, so that he stands ready to meet every challenge, never bringing shame upon the name of our Lord or his brethren, whom are called by our Savior's name. 
the king's gaze turned once more upon William. Are you willing to give your dying breath in the service of our Lord? Will you shrink in fear from the enemies of Christ, both seen and unseen? Or having done all, will you stand steadfast in your faith to defend all that is holy? Brandon prayed silently for his friend to answer well. There were no words prescribed for this part of the ceremony. The knight was expected to respond from the fullness of his heart. Sir William paused only a moment, then boldly proclaimed, If God is for me, who can be against me? As for my brethren, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The king smiled, then stood. Let the sword be brought forward, he said. Sir Thomas Holland, a knight of the order, stepped forth, carrying William's sword upon a large velvet pillow. Brandon grinned as the sword gleamed like never before beneath the light of the thousand candles surrounding the dais. He was nervous for just a moment as the king examined the sword for flaws or blemishes, but finding none, he nodded his approval. The king turned to the assembly and said, The sword represents the knight's authority to dispense justice. The double edge of the blade reminds the knight to always temper justice with mercy. As the steel of the sword must be purified and strengthened in fire and water, so must the soul of the knight be purified and strengthened by adversity and compassion. He then offered the sword to William and said, Never draw this sword in anger. William bowed his head and with both hands held out before him, received the sword. A flowing velvet robe of deep blue was brought forward and placed on his shoulders. The king then drew his own sword and said, Kneel, my son. He lay the sword first on William's right shoulder, then on his left. As he did so, he announced, I dub thee Sir William, Knight of the Garter. Arise, Sir William, and enter into the joy and service of our Lord, and join the glad fellowship of the order. The hall erupted with boisterous cheers from William's fellow knights, Brandon, Gwyneth, Lady Isabel, and all in attendance. A great feast was held that afternoon to be followed by games in which Sir William and his fellow knights would display their skills with the sword and lance before the king and the lords and ladies of the court. Food and drink flowed continuously from the castle's kitchen, while entertainment was provided by a troop of strolling musicians, acrobats, and jugglers. Brandon, Quentin, and Gwyneth were standing together laughing when Sir William and Lady Isabel walked up and William said, Everybody friends now? Quentin said, Yes, Sir William, but, sir, I owe you an apology. William held up a gloved hand. No apology necessary. Everything has worked out for the best. This is a day of celebration, and all is forgiven. I am confident that one day, Quentin, you too shall kneel before the king and join me in the Brotherhood of Knights. I do hope so, sir. For now, I must steal Brandon from your company, for you must prepare for the tournament. I fight today for the favor of my Lady Isabel. 
Isabel blushed and said, "'You have that already, rascal. You just be careful out there, lest your knighthood prove historically brief.' William laughed and walked off, his arm around Brandon's shoulders. "'Will,' Brandon said, "'I too owe you an apology.' "'And what offense did you commit against my person? "'I lost your sword, which you entrusted to my keeping. "'Isabel told me all about your midnight adventure. "'It seems you woke up half the castle with all your shouting and banging, "'but your courage showed that I could not have left my sword in better hands. "'All I have to say to you is this. "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You are a friend indeed, and a resourceful one at that.' "'Brandon grinned. "'Thanks, Will,' he said. "'Now,' said William, "'there's someone I'd like you to meet. "'Brandon, allow me to introduce you to His Royal Highness, "'Edward III, King of England. "'And of France,' the king reminded him, "'pretending to be offended. "'The baron who was standing beside the king chuckled. "'Brandon gasped and fell to his knees. "'Your Majesty,' was all he could say. "'And of course, you know the Baron John de Lille,' William said." "'Yes, Will, I mean, Sir William.' He bowed his head once more. "'Sires,' William said, "'this is the lad I was telling you about. "'Though Brandon is but twelve, "'no knight ever had a better friend or servant. "'With your approval, I wish to make him my squire.' "'Done,' the king cried good-naturedly. "'Brandon, I don't suppose you remember me.' Brandon climbed to his feet. "'No, Your Majesty. "'I've never met a prince before.' let alone a king. Ah, but you have. Your father was my servant and best friend when we were children. We grew up together at court, and I was there at your birth. Tragically, your mother and father both died in a fire when you were but two years of age. I was at war in our French provinces at the time, or I might have raised you as my own. Instead, I made arrangements for you to be brought to the household of the baron." Only he and his wife knew of your palace origins. My instructions were that you be treated as a servant so that you might learn humility, mercy, and grace. At the age of seven, you were made a page so that you might learn patience, faithfulness, and the value of work. Brandon glanced at William, but he seemed as surprised as Brandon. King Edward said, Sir William knew nothing of this, yet he has wisely chosen you from among the baron's servants to be his squire. From him you will learn duty, honor, and godliness before you take your place on the role of knights alongside the baron, Sir William, and my son, the Black Prince. Your Majesty, Brandon said, who am I that you should remember me? My parents were but servants, and they are dead. Why should you, a great king, care what happens to me? The king said to Brandon, Your father was a loyal and trusted companion. Good friends are rare things and are to be treasured. Sir William tells me that you too have proven yourself a true friend. I am glad to hear it. From this day forward, Brandon, you shall be known as my own son. You are now adopted into the house of Plantagenet, with all the privileges thereof. You will defend the kingdom and share in my glory. And when you are grown, you will come to live in my palace. The king then turned to his newest knight. Sir William, I charge you with the education and training of this child of the king. It is my desire that he one day serve England as one of her mightiest and most righteous of knights. Do you accept this charge? 
William smiled broadly at Brandon. Sire, I can think of no greater honor. This is Let's Talk Homeschool, and we are your hosts, Davis and Rachel, who's not with me today. We want to thank our sponsor, Apology Educational Ministries. Their mission is to help homeschooling families learn, live, and defend the Christian faith. As a homeschooling parent, you probably need a system to plan your lessons. Apologia designed the ultimate homeschool planner just for you. It comes in four beautiful colors and designs so you can pick one that matches your style. It has space to accommodate plans for up to six children, plus there are pages for you to journal those moments of grace when God turns an ordinary moment into something extraordinary, what we like to call the Deuteronomy 6 moment. These notebooks are literal keepsakes for your homeschooling journey. You can learn more about the Ultimate Homeschool Planner by going to Apologia.com and searching for planners. Have a great day, and until next time, we are walking by faith and enjoying the homeschooling adventure of a lifetime.